have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18. This morning we have an opportunity to look through a passage of Scripture that probably you, uh, you probably will remember a lot of it mostly in your Sunday school time. Um, so this morning, as we look through Matthew chapter um, 8, uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 18. And so this morning, as you walk away from here, what will your choice be today concerning Jesus? As you walk out of this building, go your different ways, there's going to be an opportunity for you to make some choices. I think the most important choice this morning is, okay, what am I going to do with my relationship with Christ? It will be your choice. I know that you're sitting here, and sometimes as you have the Word of God open, you start thinking about four or five or six different people. Uh, but this morning, I want you to think about the Word of God for you this morning. This isn't uh, what you need to pass on to somebody else. Right now, I want you to interact with the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 8, you're going to get a chance to see Jesus, and there's going to be multitudes that are around him. Look there in verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This morning we're going to look at a couple different things. You're going to get a chance to see these two disciples. Uh, you're going to get a chance to interact with a boat. Uh, it's probably not going to be that boat, probably more a boat like this. Um, and so this morning as we interact, I want you to take you first to the, the disciples, these, these two guys that are going to approach Jesus. And uh, so the first one that you see there in verse 19 is, there's a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will go wherever you go. The first one that you need to see is a scribe. I want to give you a little bit of information about a scribe, as you, and then you'll get a chance to interact with his words to Jesus. First thing, typically, uh, uh, scribes who are teachers do not follow well. They don't mind teaching, but they're not good followers. Typically, uh, a teacher of the law is not going to follow an uneducated man like Jesus. He's not going to follow Jesus or follow Jesus' words. So it's interesting to me as you. As I think about this, this teacher who comes to Jesus, and I want you to really see what he says. Teacher, I will go wherever you go. Those are pretty strong words. Now, as you look at this teacher, sometimes this individuals, are, and as you look in this situation, sometimes strong words don't always mean strong commitment. And I don't know this. Uh, scripture doesn't say, or I, I, haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if this scribe ends up following Jesus to the other side of the sea or not. We know he's going to walk up to Jesus. He's going to say some words to Jesus. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you want to go. Look, I'm all in, teacher. I'll follow you. And it's interesting, and I don't want to go there yet, but it's interesting Jesus' response back to him, his words back. We're going to look at that in just a second. All right, teacher, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. 
It's interesting to think about, and I'm not saying this is actually true, is this teacher actually saying, Jesus, I want to follow you because there's a crowd of people around you, and I like to teach, so I want to be on your team. I'll go where you go. I'll follow you as long as you're going to give me an opportunity to step up and say, I'm a teacher, and I want to teach now. Another thing that's interesting, as you look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to see Jesus' words. They're very clear back to this individual. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. All right, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to have a home. You're not going to have a man cave. You're not going to have a place to say, hey, this is mine. I'm, this is where I live. You're not going to have a place to say, when everything else goes on, isn't it? just think about this. Jesus, did he have a house? Did he have a place where he said, you know what? I want to break from people. I want to time out. I want to go sit over here. I don't want to deal with people anymore. Did he have that place? Well, in some senses, he maybe did. If you think about the, uh, the Mount of Olives and being able to have an opportunity to go out to the Mount of Olives and spend the night out there overnight. Probably wasn't very many pillows out there. I'm not sure there's two good blankets out there. So this individual walks up to Jesus and says, Hey, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. Jesus said, but Hold on a second. Before you follow me, you need to count the cost. Because if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be about you, sir. It's not going to be about your teaching. It's not going to be about your house. It's not going to be about where you go. It will be about what you don't have. If you're truly going to follow me. Next thing, that next person I want you to see is verse 21. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Interesting Jesus' response. But before we go to Jesus' response, look at the individual's words. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. You know what I think he's actually saying there? I don't think he's saying, my father is dead right now. I need to go home and bury him. Because in Jewish culture, if you passed away on on Friday, they buried you on Friday. They didn't have this big embalming process. And so, yeah, by the way, we're going to do the, the burial in so many days. I really believe what this individual is saying is, Jesus, I will follow you, but I'm going to wait until it's on my terms. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to wait until I get the inheritance from my father. Oh, yeah, I'm, I want to be one of your disciples, but, my, but being one of your disciples is going to be on my terms when I'm ready. When I have my dad's estate, then, yes, I'm interested in now following you, Jesus. Interesting, Jesus' words back to this individual, verse 22. But Jesus told him, follow me. It's not about you. You follow me. Jesus, as I was looking at Walvern and Zuck, he kind of, the guys, they put it this way. This is what Jesus is saying back to this individual. Take your concerns off of your financial estate and your father waiting till your father passed away and you put your trust in me. You follow me. All of us know, Pastor of Scripture, if you 
uh, have some time, maybe this afternoon you can think your way through this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, where Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and what? Follow me. And so in one sense this morning, you've gathered here in the place, the, the reason that makes this place different is because you've gathered around the Word of God, and the Word of God is holy. So where you are this morning is holy ground, because the Word of God is here. And so as you sit here with the Word of God, my question to you will be is, will you follow Him? As we, we, we wrestle with the truth of Scripture, you have these individuals that are now being asked questions. And really, I think what Jesus is asking them is, is there anything in your life that's more important to you than Christ? Ask yourself that question. Is there anything right now in my life? Obviously, you know, you have a home and Jesus is not saying to you, go sell your house, right? He's not telling you, okay, now go sell your house and go live out at the hammock. That's not what he's saying. But the individual that came to him and said, hey, I'll follow you. Okay, fine. If you're going to follow me, this will not about be about you. You have to deny yourself and follow me. You have to take up your cross daily and say, okay, I'm interested. There's a temptation in the church in the United States of America to take this, and I know this is not a word, okay, but to take this follow card, which I, in my mind I picture this as followship. I know it's not you know, what you're thinking, but we have a tendency to take followship and we pick it up when we like it and we lay it down when we don't like it. Oh yeah, Jesus, I, I love you because you're never going to leave me nor forsake me. But then when the truth of the word of God, since you're sitting in holy ground and you've been called to follow him, will you do it? Or where there's, and I know this is true because it's true in my life. There's a tendency to say, yeah, Jesus, I'm all in in this area, but I'm still struggling over here. Well, I, I think this is really cool here, but, you know. Uh... So are you following Jesus this morning? Is there anything in your life right now that's more important to you than Jesus. Because if there is, you need to lay that down and truly follow the one who gave his life for you. There's another interesting question. As you, as you look at these just little verses, maybe you can apply it to your life this way. Are you following Christ today? And I know you're in church, but that doesn't mean we're following Christ. We're just in church. And don't think about your neighbor or a friend or somebody at work. I'm asking you, sitting in your seat this morning, are you following Christ? Are you following this book? Are we surrendering to this book this morning? If we are, that's following. It's interesting to me as you transition from these two guys asking the question to a passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with. I'm going to take you to the boat scenario. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. Then they got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a storm, a furious storm, a furious storm came upon the lake 
And so the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I want you to stop there. I want you to think about something with me. There's a boat. There's a storm. There's some fishermen. And you know what's interesting? Who got in the boat with the disciples? Jesus did. Today, guys, I'm not going to tell you how to handle situations. I'm going to take you in situations, and I'm going to show you what to do. And so the midst of this storm, and you can read a lot of different, you know, scenarios. Was it was it Satan that caused the storm because he wanted to kill Jesus and the disciples? Uh, was it God saying, okay, look, I want to really mold and shape these disciples' hearts, and so I'm going to send them through this storm? Okay, I don't, I don't have all those details. I can't give you all that information. What I can give you are some facts. There's a boat, and there's a storm like these gentlemen have never seen before. And the storm is so bad that the water's coming over the side. And so what's fascinating in all of that is the water comes over the side. Guess who's getting wet and still asleep? And everybody else is panicked and everybody else is freaking out. Hey, we're going to die like that's the worst case scenario. We're going to die. And so they're running around saying, hey, we're trying to navigate this. And we're trying to do this. And we're trying to do this. And the disciples go to where is one place they can find hope. Hey, Jesus, we're going to drown. He replied to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid? I'm in the boat. And then you know because of Sunday school class, oh yeah, he, he, he stands up and he calms the storm and there's like this amazement. I'll show you a picture in just a second. Now hold on, I want you to think about this. Why did he allow the storm? Why did he send the storm? Because he wanted to amaze the disciples. He wanted to bring to the disciples to the place where they had nowhere else to turn but to him. So in reality, maybe he's causing this storm and he's allowing all this to happen because he wants to break and mold and shape the hearts of the disciples. He wanted to bring them to the end of their rope. I remember as a, as a boy, we used to play this game called Uncle. And so, you know, you'd always find somebody smaller than you because you really didn't want to lose, right? And so you'd, you know, for your younger generation, you have no idea what this is, but you'd lock hands like this and then you'd, so you could twist them over far enough and then push your fingers up hard enough. Then you'd finally say, okay, Uncle, I give, I give, I give. Now what we do is we, we have this game called tap out, and I don't understand this. You know, my son says to me the other day, you want to wrestle? I'm like, not really. He said, well, you tap out, and I win. I'm like, I'm not going to tap out. And I'm like, I never, we, don't re- we never wrestle like that. You know, what do you mean tap out? Well, I just choke you until you give up. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. You know, just say tap out, I'm done. You know what's interesting? Out of all the years I've looked at Matthew chapter 8, I think Jesus brought the disciples to a point where they needed to tap out and ask for help. He needed to get them to a point where there's no place they could go anywhere else. They're in a boat. They can't go anywhere. They ain't got a motor. They ain't got 911. There's no helicopters. He said, guys, come on. I want to take you to a storm, and I want to show you in your brokenness I will be there. 
you have to ask for help. Remember, as the, as the years of being involved in ministry, I've had the privilege to walk with different people. And one of those people were involved in, in surgery was going to have to have his kidney removed. And we were talking and different things were going back and forth. And, and so he, he shared with me this little scenario. And I don't know if this is originally, I don't know if this is originally your father's or not, but this is, I remember what your dad said to me. This is from Kevin Roberts said this. When you're in the boat with Jesus, two things are sure to happen. The first one, the boat won't sink. And the second one, the storm won't last forever. So what we need to do is stay in the boat. And I don't know what your circumstance is today, but just stay in the boat. And cry out to Jesus. Take a deep breath, slow down, and ask for direction. As you look at this Matthew chapter 8 passage, we talked about it last week. You saw uh, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. You saw households where people came to this household and they were healed from demon possession. They were healed from physical disease. You see the centurion that was, that was healed. You go back and see the leper that was cleansed. These guys had seen God's power. They'd seen miracles. But God wanted these guys to have a personal relationship with his son. And so his son stepped in a boat, and you know the rest of the, the story. The storm comes, and you look at the end. They got up and rebuked. He got up and rebuked the storm, and the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obeyed them? Jesus took them into the storm so they could be amazed. I realize over the years there's been storms for, you know, Susan and I, for our kids, for family members, for extended family. And never in the midst of the storm are we high-fiving and start saying, yeah, this is so awesome being in the storm. There's nothing better being in the storm, Okay. But as I look back over the years, I can step back and be amazed that there's my God in the midst of the storm. And most of the storms were designed to mold and shape my heart. Most of those storms were designed to say, okay, look, I can't do this. I surrender. I give up. So if you're here this morning, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that's been incredibly beneficial in my life. is Psalm 46. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. My God is my refuge and my strength. So you're here this morning, and you saw the words 
and you've seen the boat, and you see Jesus' response to those things. So I ask you this morning, what will your choice be today for Jesus? Will you, as an individual, will you follow? Because I know some of us have gathered and say, yeah, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Jesus. Others gather and say, Lord, there's a couple things I need to do, and then I'll follow you. And then there's some sitting in this building that the water's coming over. And you're in the midst of the storm, and the question will be, will you go to him and say, okay, look, I'm going to put my strength and my refuge in you. You are my hope. I'm going to trust you. Even though it hurts, and even though it doesn't make sense, and even though you're overwhelmed, you say, okay, that's it, I'm, I'm yours. I belong to you. Uncle, I tap out, whatever you want to say. I will lift my voice to the coming king. You know what the coming king wants to hear you say now? You're surrendering. And it's great to sing, I will lift my voice to the coming king. You are the one who reigns in my We probably should sing it. You are the one that I'm trying to allow to reign in my heart because I'm I'm a human and my heart's prone to wonder. And I like to be in charge and I like my preferences. And I like my stuff. And if we're honest, so let's just be honest. There's not one of us sitting in this room that like to be reigned. And there's all of us sitting in this room that love to be in charge. There's not one of us in this room that comes natural and says, okay, Lord, I want the Word of God to be the instruction for my life. Okay, hang on. The storms are coming. And He'll send them your way. Storm after storm after storm after storm. So you can say, okay, Lord, I want you to reign in my life. I surrender. I quit. Now when we gather in a meeting like this, I, I typically recognize that most of you have a personal relationship with Christ. And as we gather together as, as a family, I'm not just here to give you information. I'm here to bring you to a point say, okay, what are you going to do with the truth of the Word of God? You've got a choice to make. Not just this Sunday, but every Sunday. Not just on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. It's tomorrow morning or tomorrow night when you, or tonight when you open up the Word of God. Okay, choice to be made. Do I surrender to it? And I assume that most of you sitting in this room have a personal relationship with Christ. What do I mean by a personal relationship with Christ? Yeah, Jesus, I, I need forgiveness of my sin. I'm asking you for forgiveness. There had been a time in your life that you said, you know what, I've came to the cross in my brokenness because I've recognized my sin and said, yeah, I'm going to put my faith in you. You're my hope. There's no other way. John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, truth, and life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And I assume that most of us have taken that. Now, here's where it gets really interesting as a pastor. You have to take the next spiritual growth step. Yeah, me recognizing that I'm a sinner and asking forgiveness, that's wonderful, right? That's incredible. My life will never be the same. But what I have in front of you today is a next spiritual growth step. Will you follow him? Will you surrender your all to him?
See, there's many people that get excited about Jesus' love and his wisdom and his purity and his power and his provision and his healing and his deity. But they fail to give him themselves. It's a quote from John MacArthur. Will you give him yourself? Will you lift your voice to the coming king? Say, all right, Lord, I know you're coming back. I know there's going to be a time I'm going to meet you face to face. I'm choosing today to surrender. I'm choosing tomorrow. I'm choosing this afternoon. Again, I realize this is not a you know great grammar, but there needs to be a lot of surrendership in your life over the years. Moment by moment, hour by hour, minute by minute, saying, I surrender. I surrender. You should pray with me. Father, we've gathered around your word, and there's a temptation to say, well, we liked what he said today, or we didn't like what he said today. Or I wish you would have said this, or I wish you would have said that. And that's all that. That's fine. But the fact is, you've laid something on my heart. And the question will be, will we follow you? What are you going to do with Jesus? You're going to lunch. You're going to do your afternoon stuff. Some of you need to be challenged to follow him. So I'm challenging you today, follow him. Some of you need to be comforted that the boat's being rocked by whatever the situations are, and the water's coming over, and you're bailing, and you're bailing, and you're bailing, and you're thinking about jumping out and getting in another boat, see if that'll work. Surrender. You don't have to be afraid. He's in the boat with you. You have to ask for help. I believe some of you are in here today that you need to say, okay, Jesus, I need to ask for help today. I can't fix this. I can't fix me. The Holy Spirit, you know what you need to do in every single seat, in every single heart that is here. So I beg you, Holy Spirit, would you do it? Would you bring us to a point in our lives that we would say, as individuals, we surrender? You bring us to a point where we say, okay, we're going to follow you. Would you bring us to a point in the midst of the turmoil of our soul, the way the disciples were trying to survive in the boat, that we would just have faith in you, that we'd have confidence, that we would know that you're with us? Father, thank you for allowing us a little time together as a family today around your word. Father, don't let this word just go in one ear and out the other. May we wrestle with your word. May we surrender with your word. Most importantly, help us to follow you. We love you, Jesus. Your name I pray. Amen.